0: Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. Today marks the anniversary of the most important dinner party in history. Now this is a dinner party that I want to attend as often as I can until either Jesus takes me home or until Jesus comes back. Now, this dinner party was transformative because, you know, when God invites us to his table, he's not just calling us to simply eat, but to fellowship with him and to enter into a relationship with him. And this relationship is life changing and life saving. Now, Maundy Thursday or the Thursday before Easter is remembered for the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples at the Last Supper almost 2000 years ago, the Sacrament of Communion. The commandment to do this in remembrance of him until he comes again. Now this episode is a double whammy. While learning lessons from Jesus' Last Supper, I also want to share with you how to do simple family devotions using only God's word and the three-question method. That's right. You get a Bible study on Jesus and Holy Thursday, as well as a how-to crash course on how to do simple devotions with your family. You can even bring the kids into the room with you, turn up the volume, and listen to this episode together. Now this week's episode is called Soul Food because we will be digging into God's Word to feed our souls, as well as read about Jesus' Last Supper and His commandment to commemorate His death and resurrection through communion. And Soul Food is also what I called our morning devotion time. We always did our family devotions at breakfast. And I did it because I had everyone's undivided attention. Their hands were busy and their mouths were full. I always felt like I was feeding their hearts, minds, and tummies all at the same time. Hence the name soul food. It really is possible to have meaningful family devotions using just God's word and the three-question method. Now, in this episode, on this special day, I want to share with you what we did in our family devotion time and how we use this three-question method to study God's Word. Basically, during our soul food time, or our morning devotions, we would read a passage from God's Word, ask and discuss three basic questions, and then we would end in prayer. It seems simple, but man, did this lead to some very important conversations. Now, in reading God's word together, not only do we want to read the Bible for information, but more importantly, we want to read God's word for transformation. We want God's word to get into our heads, but we also want want it to penetrate our hearts and to ultimately get into our hands so that we're applying God's word to our lives and doing something about what we've learned. Now, in this three-question method, you ask three basic questions after you read a passage from the Bible. What is this passage about? What can we learn from this passage? And how can we apply it? Simple, right? All right, so today, I thought since it's Holy Thursday, we would dig deep into the story of Jesus' Last Supper in Mark 14, and in the process, learn how to use this three-question method. So first, read any account in the Gospels of Jesus' Last Supper with your children, either from your Bible or from a children's Bible. Now, if you aren't using a children's Bible, I suggest reading the Mark 14, verses 12 through 26 version. If you want, you can go ahead and pause the podcast right now to read the passage, or if you're pretty familiar with it already, you can just jump right in. Okay, so now after reading the passage, ask the first question. Hey kids, what is this passage about? What we're trying to do here is to get the passage into our heads. So in this part, you and your kiddos are looking at the details and the facts of the passage. You know, the who, what, where, when, why, how. And then at the end, to try and give a little summary or a narration of the passage. All right, so talk with your family. Who's in the story? Well, there's Jesus, of course, and his 12 disciples. Okay, where is it taking place? Well, we find out from the text that this is happening in the city of Jerusalem in a large upstairs room that belonged to a friend of Jesus and that the room was already furnished and all ready for Jesus' dinner party guest. All right, so when does this take place? Well, we also read in the first verse in verse 14 that this is the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread and the beginning of Passover. All right, so why are they having this special dinner party in the upper room? Well, it's a traditional dinner to celebrate the Passover and to sacrifice a Passover lamb. Okay, so what's happening in the story? Well, at this point, just ask your kids to give you a little summary or to narrate back to you the passage. But basically, it's Jesus' last supper with his disciples. It's the Passover meal, and in the middle of it, Jesus tells his disciples that one of them will betray him. They then partake in the Passover meal together. But as they do, Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives thanks for it, and then he gives it to his disciples. But when he does this, he compares the broken bread to his broken body. And then he did the same thing with a cup of wine and compared the wine to his blood that would be shed for them. We also find out that Jesus would have to leave them soon. All right. So now that we know what the passage is about, who's in it, what's happening, when and where it's taking place, why things are happening, we can then move on to the second question. What can we learn from the passage? Now, this is where we try to move the passage from our head knowledge and we try to get it into our hearts. All right. All right. So, mamas, what do we learn from this very short passage? Well, let's start with this question. Are there any promises in the passage? Why, yes. Yes, there are. In verse 25, Jesus promises after sharing the cup of wine that he would not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day he drinks it with them new in the kingdom of God. Now guys, this is one of the most important promises in the Bible. Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling you and me, that like the Passover lamb was sacrificed for the sins of the Jews, his blood would be poured out as a sacrifice for our sins, for the sins of humanity. Jesus was promising that he was going to pay for sins, that even though he didn't deserve the punishment or death. He was willing to die for our sins so that we would be saved. This is also a beautiful promise that one day we would celebrate with Jesus in the new kingdom. This is a promise, mamas, we can hold on to today as believers. Through Jesus' death, we will not only be saved, but we will see him again, and that his kingdom will come and it will be a new kingdom. That even though this world is crazy and cruel, we will one day feast with Jesus in peace. Jesus was promising us that even though his body would be broken, his blood would be shed, and his life would be sacrificed, that we would ultimately have victory and that we would feast with him again in the future. Okay, so what else can we learn from this passage? Are there any commands? Why, yes, there are a few. In verses 13 and 14, Jesus sends a few of his disciples to secure a room and to prepare the Passover meal. So what can we learn from this command? Well, many times, Jesus gives us, just like he gave the two disciples, very simple, mundane tasks to do. Many of the things God asks us to do are simple, daily, everyday, common tasks, Does this make our tasks insignificant or unimportant? No. Some days we're called to do bigger things, and some days we're called to simply help those around us or those in our care. We can also learn in this simple command and in these two short verses how important preparation is to Jesus and how important it is to celebrate traditions. Jesus wants us to take time to prepare our hearts and our homes for our daily activities, for our meals, to prepare for our lessons, to prepare for celebrations, and to prepare for our future. It's important to God that we take time out of our busy schedules to remember God's goodness, his faithfulness, his love, and his provisions. And that's what those two disciples were doing. They were preparing We also learn from these verses in this command that it's important to Jesus that we set aside special days to set them apart from the usual weekly, monthly, and daily routines. But we also learn from these few short verses that Jesus also cares about the details of our lives. What we need, God already knows and provides for it. He did exactly that with the two disciples in the upper room. When asking, what do we learn from a passage, we can also search to see if maybe there are any warnings in it. So, are there any warnings in this passage? Yeah, there are several. In verses 18 and 21, Jesus warns his disciples that one of them will betray him, and then Jesus also warns the betrayer that it would have been better for him if he were never born. Now, this is a harsh truth. Jesus is sharing with his disciples and with you and with me that if Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, if Jesus had enemies and was a victim of betrayal, that we too may experience this kind of pain and heartbreak too. But Jesus also shows us how to respond to such betrayal. Jesus didn't kick Judas out. He actually shared a meal with him and gave them another chance to repent and to change course. So moms, where is there betrayal in your life? Or where has your child been betrayed? How can Jesus' words and actions help you or your child respond? Okay, but then Jesus warns us how serious it is to turn our backs on God, His love, His sacrifice, and His truths. Without Jesus and His saving grace... It's a hard life to live. And then it only ends with an eternity of even more pain and suffering, being permanently separated from God and his love for eternity. This is what Judas's betrayal cost him. To not accept Jesus's invitation for eternal life, it had eternal implications. And the same is true for you and me. What else can we learn from this passage? Are there any examples to follow or not to follow? Well, first, we can follow the example of the two disciples who obeyed Jesus' command to secure a room. They obeyed Jesus without question. I mean, how often does God give us what seems like a very unusual command to follow, and then we banter with them about it, or we question its importance, or we ask, why, God? Why are you asking us to do this? But these two disciples show us the importance and the blessing of trusting and obeying Jesus. And of course, Jesus is the most important example to follow in this passage. How hard it must have been to look his betrayer in the eye and still extend him bread and forgiveness. How hard it must have been for him to share one last meal with his closest friends. And how hard it must have been for Jesus to spend that evening comforting his friends who were confused by his words and sad at the idea that they may not see him again. He comforted them, knowing the pain, betrayal, and suffering that he would endure in the coming hours. Jesus didn't make the evening about him. Now, in other passages, we see Jesus spending time washing his disciples' feet. We can learn from Jesus' example how to give of ourselves unconditionally to the ones we love. We learn how to put others' needs before our own. We learn from Jesus the importance of having a servant's heart, even when we don't feel like serving. And of course, Judas is the ultimate example in this passage of what not to follow. And then later in this passage, we see how Peter denies Jesus. How many times have we turned our back on God, our faith, or even our church family? How many times have we denied Jesus when it was easier not to be confrontational or it was easier to remain quiet instead of standing up for what we knew was right? Okay, so what else can we learn from this passage? What do you think the main truth of the passage is? What's the main lesson we can learn? Now, depending on the age of your children or what's happening in their lives when you read a certain passage, you'll get different answers from them. But for you and for me, the ultimate truth of this passage is that Jesus saves. We learn and we are reminded that Jesus was and is our ultimate Passover lamb. We learn that Jesus is our comforter, our provider, and our savior. We learn that there is nothing Jesus wouldn't do to help us and to save us. You can dig even further by discussing why do you think God wanted this passage in the Bible? Or you can look for attributes of God that you see in the passage. Or was there anything new that we didn't know before? Or did a particular verse stand out to you? Or is there something that surprised you or confused you in the passage? Now, depending on the time that you have and the maturity level of your children, digging into the question, what can we learn from this passage why it can lead to many, many important discoveries and powerful discussions. Okay, so finally, when using the three-question method, you want to get the passage ultimately into your hands. You want your children to not only know the passage and to learn from it, but to apply it to their lives today. So, after you ask and discuss what is this passage about and what can we learn from it, Move on to the reason we read and study God's Word. Remember, we don't read God's Word just for information, but for transformation. So the third and final question is, how can we apply this passage? How can we put this passage and everything that we've learned into action today? Now be specific here with your kids. Talk about your child's schedule for the day. What is he going to be doing? Where is she going to be going? Ask your child, how can we apply today what we have learned from this passage about Jesus and the Last Supper? Is there any ongoing problem maybe that your child is having? Maybe he is having a friend problem or someone he loves has betrayed him. Give your child suggestions on how he can apply the passage that day. Then pray specifically for him and over him. But for us mamas, how can we apply Mark 14 to our lives today? What is God trying to teach you through Mark 14? What is he calling you to do? What part of this lesson does God want you to put into action today? Well, today is Monday, Thursday or Holy Thursday. It's the day we set aside to commemorate Jesus' Last Supper. It's the day Jesus instituted communion. It's the day we remember his commands to do this, to do communion, to break bread and drink from his cup until he comes again. It's the day we celebrate that Jesus will come again. He promised his disciples many times, but specifically on this day as he celebrated Passover, he promised them he would return and that they should commemorate this night to remember that promise. On this day, Jesus explained to us his new covenant. Anyone who eats of this bread and drinks of this cup will have fellowship with him. It's the day we remember his command to serve others. It's the day we learn from Jesus how to pray and how to pray for and with others. And there's so much more to this day than a simple meal with friends. Now, as we read the Bible, we see that remembering is very important to God. God's people have always struggled with a sort of spiritual Alzheimer's. As our lives get busy, we forget who God is and what he's done for us. This is one of the reasons God set up Passover in the first place, so that his people would remember. And this is one reason that Jesus set up communion for us, so that his followers would remember him, his sacrifice, and his promise to return. If we don't hear about Jesus over and over again, we'll forget He's our Savior. We'll forget He's our Lord. And mamas, when we forget, when we have spiritual dementia, why, we start to worry. Everything frightens us, and we start to live in fear. When we forget, we think we're all alone in the world. When we forget, we start to go on our own, to do things in our own strength. When we forget, we begin to live the way we did before we were made new through Christ, and we act the way we did before we were washed clean by his blood. Sins and old habits start to settle back into our hearts again when we forget, and we become even more vulnerable to temptation. When we forget about Jesus and what he's done for us, we seek satisfaction and comfort in the broken vessels of this world forgetting that we have rivers of life-giving water available to us through Jesus Christ. When we forget, we begin to forget our God-given purpose and our calling. When we forget, our priorities start looking like the world's priorities, and soon, there's nothing very distinctive about us. Friends, we can apply this passage to our lives today by remembering Jesus by remembering his sacrifice, his servant heart, and his promises by partaking in the Lord's Supper. We can set this day apart by sharing a special meal together, by eating a cedar meal maybe with friends, or by partaking in communion with our church family. We can set this day apart by doing our own feet-washing ceremony. It's a powerful thing to wash your husband's feet and then to have your children wash yours. It's humbling to the core. Now, I told you this episode would be a double whammy. I hope you now see how easy it is to read any passage of the Bible and find nuggets of truth in it just by asking three simple questions. What is the passage about? What can we learn from the passage? And how can we apply it? But I mostly pray that while we were learning how to use the three-question approach, you were stirred by God's word to set this special day apart and to remember Jesus's actions, words, and promises. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our new and improved website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carry Consultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling, or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your homeschooling, then this is a perfect book to read. Now if you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or with a friend who doesn't know Jesus yet. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Podcasts and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and and Homeschool Mom Ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter.